0: Your brain is the most powerful organ in the universe and has an incredible ability to regenerate. Today's podcast is supported by Food Revolution Network and their upcoming event, The Brain Breakthrough Masterclass. This free event is hosted by two of the world's leading plant-based neurologists, Dean and Aisha Sherzai. In this 90-minute masterclass, you will learn all about brain health, Alzheimer's prevention and other forms of dementia. Do you want to eliminate brain fog, sleep better, improve your ability to learn and remember new information? Prepare to live a brain healthy life that helps you slash your risk of Alzheimer's and optimize your brain's performance. Click the link in the description on this podcast to register or visit plnt.news forward
1: What you put on your grill in the backyard is up to you. But taxpayers' dollars should not go to feeding crises. Our tax dollars should not go to feeding our children school that is going to cause them to be unhealthy. It should not go to our prisons. It should not go to our child protective custody and services. We should not be paying for the health care crisis. And right now, we're doing that. And we need to fight to change that.
0: Hi, Plum friends, and welcome to another episode of the PBN podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Lockie. On this week's episode, we meet Senator Eric Adams. He's the borough president of Brooklyn, New York City. Senator Adams served as an officer in New York City's Transit Police and then the New York City Police Department for 22 years. From 2006 to 2013, he was a Democratic State Senator in the New York Senate. In November, 2013, Senator Adams was elected Brooklyn Borough President, the first African-American to hold the position. In November 2017, he was re-elected. He famously turned his health around by going plant-based after a devastating diabetes diagnosis and shared his story by contributing to a short film produced by Forks Over Knives. Senator Adams has been vegan since 2016 and in March 2020, he partnered with animal rights group Mercy for Animals to help distribute 2,000 vegan meals to food insecure inhabitants of Brooklyn. He's an incredible man and has done some wonderful things in his time. I know you're gonna love his story and his interview as much as I did. As always, if you enjoy these episodes, please don't forget to comment, like, and share. And if you're on iTunes, please do leave us a review. It really helps get the message out there. Let's get to the episode. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, Senator Adams, it's really a pleasure to uh, to meet you.
1: No, pleasure is mine. And I really appreciate you allowing me to come on and just share with your audience and listeners. People often ask me about uh, you know, my diabetes diagnosis and, you know, what did I do to deal with it? I felt as though, you know, this is part of getting older. We heard these stories before, you know, you get older, you're supposed to get uh, some form of chronic disease. And there was almost a surrender until the vision loss. It was like a wake-up call and say, you know what, if I'm going to have to lose this war of health, it's not going to be uh, without a battle. I went to my computer and Googled, you know, uh, reversing diabetes. And I was just hoping to get a glimpse in what's in the universe of slowing down the progression of. How could I slow down my eye loss? How could I slow down the nerve damage? Uh, How do I slow it down? But when when I started to see the R term used over and over again, reversal, 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 and I started reading some of the stories I said, you know what, something may be to this. And that is when I started the journey of saying, you know what, it's no more living with. It was about reversing, and I moved in that direction.
0: So before we talk about all your achievements and all your views and opinions of what's happening today, uh, can you give us a brief intro into your plant-based journey and how you overcome chronic illness using a plant-based
1: diet? Well, thank you so much. Uh, and really this journey started about four years ago after a career in law enforcement. Uh, I retired as a captain in the police department I was well known for my push for reform in policing. Uh, then I went into the state senate and finally became the bar president. Uh, in many other municipalities, the bar president is considered the county executive. I am the county executive for Brooklyn, the third largest city in America. If it was a separate city with 2.6 million people. And during that time, uh, after, during my first term as bar president, uh, I was out of the country when I was, you know, was experiencing some discomfort in my stomach. You know, I thought it was really, I thought it was colon cancer because I lost a good friend to colon cancer. And when I returned to America, I went to the, in, my internist who sent me to, a, to get a colonoscopy. And it was after coming from under sedation uh, that I knew I was experiencing uh, the late stages of type two diabetes. It wasn't connected to the discomfort in my stomach. That turned out to be an ulcer. Uh, but it also, the diabetes late stages was causing uh, blindness in my left eye. And I was experiencing also vision loss in my right. I had permanent nerve damage in my hands and feet, as well as high blood, blood pressure, high cholesterol, and just really the erosion of, of health. And, and, you know, what was funny that you, if one was to look at me, uh, you would think that, hey, this guy seems to be reasonably reasonably healthy, uh, but in fact, my body was breaking down. And that started me on really finding an alternative to what five of the best doctors in the city was telling me. Basically, I was going to be on medicine the rest of my life and I was going to lose my vision and lose some fingers and toes. And I just refused to uh, believe it. I am Brooklyn Ball President uh, Eric Adams, and I'm really joined by the true heroes and sheroes I went to the doctor. He stated, Eric, your diabetes is at a dangerous level. I got to put you on insulin right away. I had nerve damage in my hands and feet. I lost a lot of my feeling on my right thigh from nerve damage. And during that same time, I was losing sight in my left eye and the right eye was going out also. And so uh, little did I know that all of those symptoms were indicators that the diabetes had reached a very dangerous level. I don't think anything is more frightening than waking up and you could no longer see the alarm clock.
0: You took your life into your own hands, and you made that necessary change. Now, with it's you know such a wonderful story, and it's so great to hear uh, about how someone such as yourself have really, really took up the baton of the plant-based diet. And you know, when it comes to you know being involved in the political world, like this shocking rising levels of chronic disease, how important do you think it is for politicians to lead uh, by example?
1: It is so important for you know people who are in public life, not only as politicians, but just everyday public life. You know, we live in a society of influencers and influencers can not only uh, determine what music a person would play, but it also could determine what lifestyle they would live. You know, people drive cars uh, because their favorite actors bought that car. Uh, they wear certain clothing. You know, Air Jordans are still one of the most popular sneakers because of Michael Jordan. Uh, I think influencers uh, need to start looking beyond uh, what uh, their client base or what their fan base is actually doing and saying, how do I improve the lives of the people around me? And so when I was told that my medical state was in a condition that it was in, I sought out and was able to find uh, some great doctors that really pointed me towards the plant-based lifestyle. And within three weeks after going to plant based my vision returned three months later, the nerve damage went away. The diabetes went in remission, and my ulcer went away. My blood pressure normalized. My cholesterol cholesterol normalized, and even my 80 year old mother, who was diabetic for 15 years and seven years on insulin, uh, when she went plant based in two months, she was off her her insulin. And, and you know, so I think that when you have public figures uh, that show uh, the vulnerability of their lives, but also how you can turn it around. It can impact large numbers of people.
0: Absolutely. Very well said. People are looking for role models and they're, they're looking up to people because I think for the most part, human beings need and, and are looking for guidance and support from the people around them. So it's absolutely true. Now, when it comes to sort of politics and dietary injustice and in, in America is no stranger to these, these troubles, food injustice and food security. Is there much political appetite to, um, to use legislation to try and change it?
1: Yes, it is. Uh, we need to really start reexamining the source of the problems that are facing uh, America and Americans. And we need to stop just treating symptoms, but underlying causes uh, to many of the problems we're facing. And health is just one of those problems. Uh, clearly, our health care system is really about sick care. It's uh, how do we treat people Um, when they're sick and really how do we continue them on the road to being sick. Our uh, healthcare facilities all the way to, at the end of the line, our hospitals, to the beginning of the line, our medical institutions. We teach prescriptions, you know, how to give people drugs. Uh, We don't have nutrition in our schools. We don't teach how do we have a real lifestyle Uh, management, the entire profits in healthcare is pointed towards, you know, the ability of a doctor to write a prescription. And that prescription, unfortunately, is not including food. Uh, Some uh, municipalities are starting now to embrace redefining the term pharmacy from P-H-A-R-M-A-C-Y to F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. We're seeing the connection between what we eat, And so I think, uh, legislatively, we were successful here in New York about stopping people from uh, our city from purchasing processed meat. Extremely important, type 1 carcinogen. And we also have a 50% beef reduction purchase in the city, and I hope eventually it goes to no um, beef reduction. And I think we need to look at a federal uh, level, how do we stop tying of uh, the food that we're feeding our children and our families that are on, uh, you know, either social services. Uh, how do we stop feeding them food that is really creating their crises? It was never my DNA, it was my dinner. Mother joined me in, at the age of 80, 15 years as a diabetic, seven years on insulin, two months going whole food, plant based, threw her insulin away. I'm happier now. Yes, I'm happier now, and I, I learned a lot to know that I don't have to eat all that meat and all those unnecessary things that I was eating to, you know, for my, if it wasn't for my wellness, it was horrible for me to be eating like that. I would be bloated and I would feel uncomfortable. That's the best thing I could ever did for myself. Yes. The body is like saying, I want to heal you. But every time I try to, you're making sure that you give me more poison um, to prevent me from doing my job. And all I did, all I did was get out of my body's way.
0: There's a real challenge in the U.S., isn't there? Because a lot of the healthcare is private, isn't it? That people actually have to pay for private health care. Is there a challenge there when it comes to prescribing lifestyle and dietary changes when it comes to illnesses like type 2 diabetes and heart disease, which, you know, when you want to treat people with food, you're not treating them with medicine, which comes with a huge price attached to it is there a is there a disconnect there between this private industry and and what's what we should be doing what's right
1: yes it's, it's unbelievable how much the a connection between uh health and uh you know services that can really actually prevent reverse or manage the treatment of chronic diseases and when you look at our program we have at bellevue hospital it's an amazing program, first of its kind in New York City and probably in America, where we have a major medical system that is experiencing lifestyle medicine. And we had over 750 people signed up to be part of the program. Uh, 200, 750 people are on the waiting list, I'm sorry. 250-something people are in the program. And the results have been amazing, reversing diseases, uh, decreasing medication, yet You're finding the insurance are not paying for the nutritionists that are very much needed, the counselors, behavior scientists to help people deal with the fact that we self-medicate ourselves with food. Mm. And when you don't have the support of the system, uh, it is very challenging because you don't have the payments. And it's almost a double Uh, obstacle for people in impoverished communities, those who don't have primary care doctors. And so until we start building the system around disease reversal and not a system around keeping people sick, uh, we're not going going to have the support mechanisms that we need.
0: As someone once said, there's uh, sick people or sorry, healthy people are not profitable when it comes to private enterprise. When we empower people to take their health into their own hands through the proper dietary changes, you know the the whole landscape of healthcare completely shifts and changes. And you know there's obviously a lot of bank balances that are going to have to change if we want to see real real shifts in the way people um, view disease as you said the us government obviously has traditionally often put out a lot of messaging around you know consumption of animal products but you know as we, as we all know like the evidence around consuming these products these heavily animal focused products like red meat you know it's so clear the science is so clear that it's linked to health issues what can ordinary citizens do such as myself you know what can we do to try and facilitate the change in government or or in our society what can we do to sort of try and Facilitate the, our governments to 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 look at the science and look at the data.
1: Well, we, we should first start with ourselves. I think it was so important. Uh, when I look over the last four years of this journey, I have become so much smarter around food and you know how we produce food, uh, the dangers of food, what the overconsumption of meat has done uh, to our not only our economy our uh, health, but also our environment. When you look at you know, greenhouse gases, uh, the numbers are clear. Uh, our overconsumption of meat uh, and poultry uh, clearly has impacted our environment in a very real way. So we're not only hurting our mother, but we're hurting hurt mother nature and our behaviors. And so we need to become knowledgeable because far too many people mean well and don't see the connectivity between what we are consuming and how we're destroying our families and our planet. And then we need to do it locally. Reach out to our local elected, uh, our local lawmakers on the state levels. Uh, then reach out to our congressional delegation. Involve ourselves in our school for those who have parent children in schools. Find out what we're feeding your, our children in schools. See what uh, your child is actually eating. And then go and do your own research. On um, what is that cheese toast? What is that uh, processed meat? What does it do to the body? There's a reason that medical professionals are telling people, limit your consumption or something. So, if we should limit our consumption or something, then it, it's obviously that we should wipe it out altogether because it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And we need to really uh, start becoming, you know, just personally aware of how these foods are impacting our family, and then engage our electeds and make them run on uh, clear platforms about ensuring that our families uh, eat healthy. And then, which I think is very important, what you put on your grill in the backyard is up to you. But taxpayers' dollars should not go to feeding crises. Our tax dollars should not go to feeding our children school that is going to cause them to be unhealthy. It should not go to our prisons. It should not go to our Child protect- Protective Custody and Services. We should not be paying for uh, the healthcare crisis. And right now, we're doing that, and we need to fight to change that.
0: Absolutely, it's a vicious circle, isn't it? The more we feed people these kinds of foods, the more ill they get, the more strain they place on the health services, the more money is made by the private sector. And it, you know, some might say it sounds conspiratorial, but it's pure economics. You know, this is the way the system works, and we have to disrupt it by, as you say, educating ourselves and standing up uh, and being heard, and and even standing for, for political office as well, speaking up, speaking out at schools, and and really using our voice. It's not for everyone. Uh, Sometimes people, they worry, I'm not an activist, I'm not a politician. You know, what advice have you got to people who, who do feel strongly about something but are afraid to speak out because they worry their family might shun them or, you know, their local political leader may not listen to them?
1: It's about meeting people where they are and taking them where they ought to be. I think sometimes when we're in this space of correcting the lives of individuals, we have a tendency to talk down to people and not with them. And we should really be patient and understanding. Our food is like heroin. Uh, And I think there are studies that that are attached to the impact on even uh, sugar, processed sugar, how it impacts the same level of the brain as a drug would impact. And so we need to really be patient. It's anyone who has ever experienced NA or AA would tell you it's one day at a time. You know, in any day you could slip back into a state of dealing with those same vices that cause the destruction of your life in the first place. And so I encourage people, uh, don't food shame people. Don't talk down to them. Uh, Give them information. We're so fortunate that nowadays there's some great videos, What the Health, you can look at Forks Over Knives, Food Justice. There's so many great documentaries that really explain it uh, down to the granular level of what food is doing to the quality of life that we are experiencing. And so I encourage people to share reading material, to share video uh, uh, aids, uh, give people the information and then slowly allow them to make this evolution because it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle change. And when you're doing a lifestyle change, you're really starting to dismantle the foundation of what you build your life on. And sometimes that could be terrifying. It could be frightening. And you have to be really patient as people make that evolution. Folks Over Knives' Land was just so helpful when I read the entire book and I needed that plan. Cleaning out my cupboards, what to remove, looking at the list of things that you can eat, understanding the power of foods and what they do. And all of that information just made me so smart. In three weeks, my eyesight cleared up when I changed my diet. In three months, all the nerve damage was gone. The ulcer was gone. All of those symptoms that I had associated with my diabetes disappeared. And How old are you again? 57. And you have the kidney function of a 30-year-old. Your sugars look good. Mm-hmm. They're normal. Your three-month sugar,
0: your A1C, mm. has gone from 17 to 5.7, and that's now with no medication. Your inflammation is non-existent, and inflammation is a key factor also in diabetes and the risk for heart attack. Taking the story a little along towards farming and factory farming specifically, so animal agriculture, the world over, but in the US, you know, it costs the taxpayers billions in subsidies. It is a breeding ground of uh, what could be even more horrific pandemics, uh, antibiotic resistance. You know, we, again, the writing is on the wall with regards to these industries. Why do you think they continue to be allowed to move forward unabatedly with such breakneck speed of growth and profit, Yet, whilst we know the damage that they're doing to our, our world, our planet, our environment, and of course, the health of our people?
1: I think our national government has really just abandoned and betrayed the American people. Uh, Lobbyists have controlled our national government, they have, you know, basically pushed forward an agenda that is in complete contrast uh, to the health of Americans. Uh, Heart disease, one of our leading killers, Uh, childhood obesity is destroying our future. 70% of 12 year olds have early signs of heart disease. Uh, When you look at Uh, the money we are spending on just diabetes alone. Uh, 30 million Americans are diabetic. 84 million are pre-diabetic. Chronic diseases, we're spending 80 cents on a dollar uh, on dealing with chronic diseases. And so when you think the level of betrayal is probably only equivalent to the uh, cigarette industry and manufacturers uh, back in the early days of fighting against the use of cigarettes and how it was causing cancer, the denial, Uh, we once again, uh, we're living that. This is deja vu. And I am hoping that we really stand up and say we as Americans deserve more and compel our federal and state lawmakers to get engaged and not allow the big dollars of meat and dairy to really prevent the evolution that we need.
0: So coming to the end now and regarding kind of your your accomplishments as a senator, what are some of your proudest moments and campaigns that you've been involved in in the last few years?
1: I am extremely proud of the success we were able to accomplish around uh, getting processed meat out of our schools. That's so important. We need to go further. Uh, I'm proud that we were able to institute what was called Meatless Mondays and many of our city agencies in school, uh, the initiative of, of having a meatless uh, Mondays in our correctional facilities, giving uh, the inmates alternatives to healthy meals that they can choose from. Our hospitals have been on board. And our real push uh, to have children learn uh, urban farming so they can grow food right in their schools and learn how to Uh, eat healthy food and having a nutritional-based educational uh, system where we learn the the foundational appreciation and understanding around uh, having healthy lifestyles. And we're going to continue to do so. Our partnership with our faith-based institutions, how we have mobilized with our senior centers and showing our elders the importance of a healthy diet in their golden years. And... Our goal is to continue to raise the consciousness of how important it is to have a healthy uh, lifestyle and a healthy diet, because that's what healthy families uh, come from. And we're going to continue to do that. We're excited about the next step forward. We're looking uh, to expand on the urban farming concept to make it a more citywide initiative and continue to push through legislation that is going to get healthy food out of the, our city agencies and institutions.
0: Wonderful. The urban farming sounds very exciting and that that my eyes light up there because I'm the son of a farmer and absolutely love the idea of vertical farms in cities, you know, cities are so huge there is so much unused space and there's so much opportunity for us to feed ourselves and you know and even generate energy ourselves within cities in in ways that are just un unconventional, and I think this is what we need. We find ourselves in an unconventional situation. We need to look at unconventional means to to try and solve these problems. So, thank you for all the inspiring work that you're doing. And uh, you know, it's a real it's a testament to the courage and determination of one person, and how and how much change we can bring when we really believe in what we're doing and uh, and, uh, and and stick with it.
1: <laughs> That's so true. So true. It's so important for me to keep my energy levels up. Early today, I had a protest with uh, private housing that people were being left out. Then I had a meeting in public housing where some public residents was having a problem. Then I have my staff meeting with my team to keep them abreast. I have a public event tonight uh, with those who want to look at vegan slash plant-based lifestyle, I have two dinners that I have to attend to actually entertain my Chinese guests that came from out of the country. So if my energy level is not up, I'm not able to deal with the issues that people are having and continue to build those international bridges that I look to do. We can save more lives with plant-based diet if people will only realize they are enslaved to fats, oil, sugar and things that are killing their body. And we're going to make sure that we allow our children to have healthy food. It's not a model; it's a reality. We're gonna raise healthy children and families in the borough of Brooklyn and in the city of New York. When you have a chronic disease, it cripples your entire family. And if I could teach families not how not to go through that, and just experience life where their family members are not experienced Alzheimer's, where grandparents can't identify their grandkids, and families are going through chemotherapy, and our mothers are dealing with asthma. If I can do that, if I can change that, that is the end of the chapter. And I mean, I had a great life.
0: So before I let you go, I always like to ask my guests this one last question. So if you were stuck on a desert island and it was just you and a pig, obviously you don't eat the pig because you're (laughs) plant-based. And if I could give you one vegan dish, uh, one book and one music album, what would you take with you?
1: Uh, Probably the uh, vegan dish would be a nice, healthy stew made out of lentils, uh, several beans, uh, some type of grain mixed in. I, I like oatmeal a lot and I mix it a lot uh, with a lot of veggies, with some kale and just to really get as as my good friend uh, Dr. Gregor say, it will have my daily dozens, you know, little chopped up fruit to give it a good taste, sweet taste to it as well and all of those things that we need uh, to have our bodies operate. Uh, the book that I will read is probably Dr. Dispenser's. You Are the Placebo. Placebo uh, is an amazing book. It started me on a journey of understanding how healing our physical body is important, but it's also important to heal the anatomy of our spirits, and we're more than what we think we are, and it'll give you an opportunity to to explore that. And the album would definitely be Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, one of their earlier versions. They were one of my favorite groups as a child, and I still play the music, and I enjoy it so much.
0: Amazing. Uh, Senator Eric Adams, thank you for joining us on the PBN podcast. It was a pleasure to hear your story and learn more about all the amazing work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. Take care.
0: Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. I've been your host, Robbie Lockie, and I'll be back next time with more veganism, food, health, fashion, and everything else in between.